You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today is a guy named Clancy Bowser. Now, Clancy is from Oklahoma, although he kind of grew up in Oklahoma, also Colorado and Florida. He moved around and got to experience a lot of different outdoor activities from a young age. But his family got him into hunting and fishing and all of that stuff. And so we're going to talk to him about what makes him tick in the outdoor world and he is also an amazing photographer so you got to check his stuff out whether it's while we're while you're listening to the podcast or after i highly recommend going and checking out the photos that this guy takes so we're going to jump into it in just a second but around here man we are wrapping up a bunch of different seasons it is almost exclusively like coyote and maybe a couple small game seasons right now everything's about to fully end for the year right before or for the 2021 to 2022 season and it's going to launch the 2022 season here in a little bit with turkey hunting so it's just been fun getting out i've really enjoyed being outdoors chasing after coyotes final days of duck hunting all that good stuff so hopefully you guys are as well but for now let's jump into this podcast with clancy like he was doing things that were just badass that was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today is a guy named Clancy Bowser, and he's out of Oklahoma. Now, we've we've got another connection that I didn't really know about until he reached out um, through Dwayne Bratcher, which he's been on the show before. A couple times now, actually, and uh, we got to do a hunt together. But Clancy has been doing wildlife photography. He he's part of Mallard Media, and he is currently sitting inside a waterfowl trailer, which is one of the cooler backdrops I've had from a guest on the show. So thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah. Uh, why don't you start out by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into the outdoors and what you're doing in it now? Uh, yeah, I'm Clancy Bowser. I live in uh, Northeast Oklahoma. Uh, do a little bit of everything outdoors. I bow hunt, 
waterfowl is the main thing. Fly fish in the summer when I get the chance. I had a dad who was willing to drag his kids everywhere he went and was always up for an adventure. And so I've got to enjoy everything from traipsing around through fields, uh, chasing dogs, looking for pheasant to hunting swamps in Florida, packing mules in in Colorado uh, to live in Oklahoma and chasing birds now. So that's outdoor wise. Like I owe it to my dad as far as why I do what I do. Um, and then five years ago, I think it was, I had a guy giving me a hard time about, about being a cell phone photographer. And so I went and bought a camera. It's just kind of like, uh, okay, well, I'll show you. I can do more than a cell phone. And, you know, that just turned into a life of its own. So now I'm working with Mallard Media, helping Dwayne out with that stuff and uh, documenting the hunts we do and having fun with it, man. That's awesome. Um, so starting out like in the outdoors, following your dad around, what was your favorite thing? If he was like, Hey, we're going pheasant hunting today or deer hunting. What, what did you look forward to the most? It sounds terrible, but deer hunting in the afternoon. Cause I didn't have to get up early and I didn't have to walk. <laughs> <laughs> hey dude, I can relate to that. My parents would attest yeah. to that too. I would opening day. I was up. I mean, it was Christmas morning to me. I was up getting dressed before anybody else. I was pumped to go the second morning. Not even close. It was like, dude, yeah. are you coming with me? Ah, I just really don't know. And I'd lay there yeah. in bed and debate it. And then, you know, typically if I didn't go, I'd regret it. Um, once they were actually gone, but yeah, being a kid and having to wake up early and go get ready for a hunt or set up decoys or whatever, that did not sound like a great idea. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, I didn't even really, like, I would go duck hunting with my dad. Like, my earliest memories is duck hunting with my dad. And, I mean, just essentially getting dragged through a swamp by a dog because he'd left me on a shoreline. Him and my brothers had waders. They went out to, like, we lived in Florida at the time. They go out in the marsh. And he was like, well, I'm going to leave you on the bank with the dog. So, tie the leash around my wrist because that makes sense as a father. Like, <laughs> you know, three or five year old son, whatever it is at the time. And then shooting starts. So with the dog, what does the dog do? You know, dog takes <laughs> off. See what's going on with shooting. He's dragging me behind him. And you learned and how then, to water ski yeah. early then. Oh yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I was just like screaming and crying, getting drugged through the swamp. And then here comes dad running through. Well, I couldn't see him. I could just hear the splashing. And the only thing I remember is thinking an alligator was for sure coming <laughs> to get me, which made me scream and cry louder. And but anyway, so like duck hunting was just a, a lot of really nice, miserable memories tied yeah. together. Deer hunting, you got to sleep in and I'd go out in the afternoon, you know, like that yeah. was just kind of, but then, you know, early twenties, I actually got into duck hunting, but nice. What, a yeah. yeah. So you've lived all over, you've got to hunt multiple things in the different States that you've lived. Is there mm -hmm. one spot that you're like, man, that's going to be my home down the road or that that you really enjoyed living and hunting in oklahoma oklahoma well yeah. man you're living the dream now then i'm already there yeah. yeah i don't i mean if i was gonna move somewhere it'd be south dakota just because i think that would be the next like they're far enough north you don't have to worry about migration yeah you know i, I mean well i say that you'd probably still have to worry about migration but you're up there 
you know, yeah. and you're close to the birds. And, but my wife so far has refused to move because I want to kill more birds. So, yeah. you know, Oklahoma works. <laughs> it, it's tough. I, I mean, I feel blessed when my wife just is like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and hunt all weekend, go on this long trip. But to yeah. get her to specifically move somewhere for hunting, that would, I'd have to be doing a lot of dishes, a lot of cleaning and a lot of babysitting while she's gone in order to get her to agree to something like that, I think. Oh yeah. Well, that's what my dad had actually tried. Like when we were moving to Oklahoma, he had a, he had a job where he just flew around a lot and he had to visit different branches. And, um, so as long as he was within an hour and a half from the airport, he was good. So he was looking at North Dakota. Like when we left Colorado, he wanted to move to North Dakota yeah. and he could not talk my mom into moving to North Dakota. So <laughs> we ended up in Oklahoma. Instead. <laughs> I feel like North Dakota is a hard sell. I mean, it is. There's yeah. like you don't have you don't have the mountains and you don't have a beach anywhere. That's probably one of the farthest places in the country from a beach. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in beaches, like <laughs> I mean, you know? even any type of scenery. I guess I've never I can't say that too much because I haven't I think I've been to Oak or North Dakota one time, but other than that, I don't really have a whole lot of experience with it. So I don't know what the topography is like, but I imagine yeah. North Dakota being just like frigid cold eight months out of the year and not a whole lot to look at. I don't know, man. I've been up a few times. Like I was up, my dad took us on a few trips, pheasant hunting growing up. And then, uh, I went up for waterfowl. Shoot. It was, it was like right when I bought a camera was the first trip I made in North Dakota uh in adulthood um but it's pretty like it is oh, really nice. pretty it has, yeah it has a different i don't want to say desolate but it's just so open because there's so few people yeah that you know it it's kind of hard to beat like anywhere that's just really open scenery as far as when you get the sunsets and sunrises and just freaking game everywhere like it yeah. doesn't matter what kind of game like it is everywhere and so, I mean, for an outdoorsman, like my retirement dream would be to retire in North Dakota and then just travel other places. Yeah. You know, like that would be if I could, re instead of being the guy that's like, I want a house in the mountains and a house on the beach. I'm like, I want a house in North Dakota and a house in Oklahoma. And then I'll just follow the migration on through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that think, would be yeah. I think that's every waterfowler's dream for sure. I'm like, man, oh, if I yeah. could. If I could travel from like Canada down to Mexico every year, just chasing birds. And yeah. I guess maybe my wife's been wanting a camper again and to travel. And so maybe that's what I convince her to do. Like, Hey, we'll get a camper, but this is the route we're taking throughout the next nine months. <laughs> we're just following the central flyway yeah. straight down. If you do just stop through and I might like tag along for a little while. Deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll put a rooftop tent on top of the camper for you. Yeah, for sure, man. That'd be great. I yeah. appreciate it. I've, I've heard stories of guys like that. They'll just travel and follow birds. And I'm like, man, that would be so cool. I mean, it, I, I'm always curious when they talk about it. I'm like, I wonder, there's no way to track it really, but I wonder what the, what the record is for like one in one hunter encountering the same bird multiple times. Like what if that dude hunted the same bird in Canada, then again in North Dakota, then in Kansas and like all the way down. I think that'd be, that'd be a cool, uh, 
a cool study to do. I don't know how you would do it. That's why I'm not a biologist. A lot of radio callers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, he's just got like his cell phone out and he just sees the little beacon moving towards him. Like, here yeah. it comes. Try to get him again. Uh, hey, that'd be perfect, man. And that's what, yeah, I mean, that'd be great. I wouldn't mind chasing the same birds because I really, I don't think, you know, like we all talk about, oh, thank you, froze up. Oh, I got you. Okay. Sorry. Um, but uh, I think as far as like the birds, you know, you always say like when you're down south, like especially for us, you know, you're Missouri, Oklahoma, um, down in Texas, you're like, well, if we hunt these birds when they're a little bit greener, you know, you get the stale birds that come down. I'm like, come on, man. They're not that stale. If you yeah. get a duck to come up to an area that hasn't been shot at for a week, I don't care if they just got shot at the week before. If where they're at now is safe, they're safe. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be feasible to chase the same flocks all the way down as long as they were getting a rest in between. Oh, you know, for sure. like if they were going into somewhere with no pressure, then I think they would hunt like birds with no pressure. But, well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I see the videos thing. of Arkansas. Like those birds have been shot at by almost everyone in the country by the time they get down there. I, yeah. I do enjoy hunting Wisconsin, going back up there and hunting because it does seem like they're brand new birds, but it's the same thing. You hunt that field four days in a row, you're not getting birds to decoy in that field anymore, yeah. but you could go down to the neighbor's house and that's where they move to. And even though they've been shot at for four days, they're still landing somewhere. It's not like they quit eating or sleeping or, or getting into big roosts. So, um, I, I, I feel like that's just the grass is always greener syndrome like no matter where you are somewhere else is always better unless you're the guys in canada shooting them when you can't even tell what the plumage is <laughs> like the guys that they don't have a hen and drake limit on mallards like it's just shoot a duck yeah like i don't know if any of the rest of us actually i think it's a good excuse to fall back on yeah you know like it, it's just a good fallback well i but. i see the videos on like TV shows that are based up in Alaska and people like, like the native people up there, they don't even use decoys. They'll make a mound of mud and stick two sticks in it or branches. And like, that's their decoy on the shoreline and they're shooting yeah. birds. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> maybe the grass really is greener there because yeah. I've never seen, we worry about it here. It's like, is it a fully flocked head on the decoy? And I'm like, Okay, guys, we're getting a little picky now, aren't we? Um, but yeah, up there, it's just like those birds have no care in the world. Um, and then, yeah, by the time you get to Missouri, it does definitely seem I don't want to be the grass is always greener guy right now. But Missouri, where I hunt, is a tough spot. I'm like, if you want to become a good waterfowl hunter, hunt here. Because if you can get birds to work here, they'll work anywhere else in the country. Um, yeah. we just don't have a ton of birds here. That's the issue. I mean, they split over your way or they split over toward the Mississippi and it's yeah. just kind of like, even on maps, you see it just do this kind of little loop right around my house. It, it seems like, <laughs> well, it's crazy how much they follow the highways. Yeah. Like, because if you, if you move up like the I 35 corridor, or if you're going up to Kansas, Kansas city up, uh, 49, I think it's or 20. Yeah, 49, 49. 49 goes 40. through Kansas City. Yeah, like if you cut off instead of going on up through and then you go like Joplin up to Kansas City, like the birds really do. They cruise those highways. And uh, 
but yeah see we we're in the spot where like i am in oklahoma but i'm not in the i'm not like the oklahoma people think about yeah like we're not central oklahoma we're not western oklahoma where you just get these giant flocks of birds coming in um we hunt small numbers like if we get 40 or 50 ducks on a pond you're good to go yeah you know you're gonna go hunt that and ideally they're going to show up in pairs or singles or groups of five and that's going to be your morning yeah you know like we don't we don't shoot giant flocks of geese if i see a flock of geese it's about 30 that's a big group of geese for around here yeah you know like a lot and uh but so it's a little bit different but it's fun it sounds like we're probably in the same boat um yeah we (laughs) me and my friend group we don't venture too far when we go and hunt. We'll do like a couple big trips a year, but if it's just a quick like morning hunt, you mm-hmm. know, we might drive an hour. And the problem is you have to drive about two hours to get into pretty decent numbers of birds um, from where we live. And yeah. so when we just go hunt farm ponds here, it's like, Hey, we didn't get skunk today. We got one, yeah. we got one hen gadwall. So it's been a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, Gadwall and Ringnecks will save many a hunt. They <laughs> <laughs> really will. We yeah. we had jokes about that for a long time, and people would be like, "Man, how's the duck hunting out there?" Like we had one spot. We call it Golden Eye Point because no matter what time of year, there's gonna be one Golden Eye that whips in on us. And like we don't hunt, we don't shoot Golden Eye anywhere else but this one spot. And we're like, "Man, we've never been skunked there." Well, we don't tell them that the majority of hunts are like an average of one or two birds, but we're like, we've never been skunked. And then we get out there and they're like, I was expecting a lot more than this. We're like, what are you talking about? We didn't get skunked again. <laughs> we yeah. got two today. That's a good day. Um, yeah, man. But I've, I've enjoyed traveling and trying to find other places to hunt going, like going back up to Wisconsin. That's where I started hunting. And so I kind of got spoiled. I would hunt right off of Lake Michigan or on the Mississippi river. And there's just, large numbers of birds in both of those spots. And so I enjoy going other places, Colorado. My friends always hate when I say this on the podcast, but one of the most underrated waterfowl States out there. Like if you can hunt the front range of Colorado, man, there's a lot of birds flying right in front of the Rocky mountains. Yeah. No, there's a freaking crap ton of geese out there. Yeah. That is, I would, that's, I've spent a lot of time in uh Torrington, Wyoming, the like last year i was out there three times last year and it's insane how many birds that travel that like just in front of the rockies yep. you know like just and it's it really i know colorado they get a little bit closer where that mountain range actually is as far as like where they're cruising at yeah but uh, yeah i mean i i got a duck hunt some in colorado when i was a kid like as far as like going with my dad and we'd go i had a hunt club or wherever it was mm-hmm. that he was gonna go um, but as far as like actually chasing geese in Colorado, that is something on my list to do. And I met a guy that I think could make that happen for me when nice. I was out in touring last time. So I'm going to be, I, it would not surprise me if I end up out there at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's a good time. And when you can take like a picture with all of your geese and the backdrop is the Rocky mountains, like. Oh, yeah. there's just something unique about it. Like I would have never, if someone told me, yeah, I go out to Colorado and waterfowl hunt. I would have been like, really? Everybody knows you go out there to mule deer hunt and elk hunt, not for waterfowl, but even by the airport, I think, like you said, 
the whole highway systems. Like there's a bunch of highways that converge right uh, near Denver airport. As soon as you get out by Denver airport, it's just fields full of geese. I mean, you'll see like 5,000 geese dropping in this field. And I'm like, dude, I want to hunt right here. Also, I don't think it's smart to be running around fields near the airport with a gun, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's some type of regulation there. Um, is there a hunt that, you know, is there a hunt that you do like religiously every year out of state? Is there like a destination place that you like to go? No, not really. It was supposed to be North Dakota, but life happens. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, it was, uh, North Dakota was my first big waterfowl trip. Um, and it, it was a blast. We were up there for a few days, uh, a couple years ago. I had uh, Sam Bosworth, who's another like outdoor photographer. Um, he invited me up to Michigan and we went up and hunted the UP with him. Um, and I had an absolute ball hunting with those guys. Like it was so much fun and it was so outside of the range of what I normally do. And they were like, you're coming back next year for duck camp. Right. And I was like, heck yeah, I am. And then, you know, 2021 rolls around and then I've got, I'm out in Wyoming all the time and I'm trying to do work for other people. And I mean, I've got a full-time job anyways. So it's like when I'm not working that job, I'm using vacation to go run a camera. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm taking working vacations at this point and it, uh, it makes it really tough to actually have time to go do the fun stuff. If I can ever, if I ever get to the point that it's full time, Michigan will be on my every year list. Nice. Like I would love to get up with Sam and Tyler and those boys and just go cruise the river and, uh, shoot a crap ton of wood ducks and just have a good time with them. Are but, you, uh, are you guys like floating the river? Are you in a boat or no. in a canoe kayak? In, no, they had uh so it was wild. We had uh, Sam, Tyler, Garrett, his dad. I think there was like seven or eight of us. I think there was eight of us. And we had three mud boats between them. And so like one smaller one, two big ones. And I mean, so they're running like 35 horse mud motors. And just flying up the river, and all of a sudden, you'd like come slow down, and you—I mean, to me, I was just like, "Where are we going now?" And there'd be like this little creek channel that's running back up off the river, and they'd be like, "All right, just kind of tuck in and hold on," and just ah! mother takes off, and they're taking up off the creek, and there's a tree like laying down across the creek, and I'm like, "Don't worry about it." Ah! Up over the up over the freaking tree, <laughs> on up and through, and like. They just knew where they were going. I, I told them, I was like, man, I came a long ways north to do some redneck shit with you boys. Like, <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> real. <laughs> man, I've but, seen those uh, videos, man. Yeah, people, once you get a bunch of rednecks with a mud motor, holy yeah. cow, man. You better have like a seatbelt and three life jackets on. Those guys get crazy. Oh, yeah, I was tucking into the bottom of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're like holding on to the bag of decoys. Like I just have to have extra flotation if I hit, if we hit something, I've heard stories about that, like public land. Uh, I don't know if it was in Oklahoma or Kansas. One of my buddies was talking about a flooded timber hunt that he goes on every year. And he's like, dude, we get in the boat and they, they like shoot off a gun or like a blank whenever it's time that you can actually go in the boat. Yeah. And he's like, dude, there's dudes 
just bombing. I mean, full throttle through flooded timber, dodging trees. He's like, every year someone hits a tree and flips the boat and they have to like rescue them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe it's, maybe the really nice places to hunt aren't worth going to. Like I'm fine with not dying on the way to shoot one hen gadwall. <laughs> yeah. That would be one of those that would be really cool to experience. It wouldn't be fun to do it every weekend. No, <laughs> like, no, absolutely no. not. Yeah. No. And this wasn't like that as far as like, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the like competition aspect of like trying to beat somebody at a spot. We were at there super early anyway. It was just, I don't know, man, cruising rivers you've never been on. And you know, you're up in the middle of freaking nowhere, Michigan and just jumping trees. And uh, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for those guys. They, they have a deal all their own and they go up to do that just to kill the time until they can really start killing geese. They're in Southern Michigan. And I mean, they freaking stomp on them. Like they, they absolutely stay after them all year. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So they do yeah, like a full-on duck camp. That's like an event they do every year. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. they do a full-on duck camp. And so one of them have a house that's right up there by the river they hunt on. And, uh, yeah, they just – they invited me up. Super great guys. The first time I met them, they actually took me bow fishing on the Detroit River. Um, I was in Detroit for work, and – uh sam had messaged me and was like hey man this is what uh you know i saw you were up here like how long are you here for and i told him how long i was there for and he's like okay well meet me at such and such boat ramp at like nine o'clock at night i was like <laughs> okay and we never met each other yeah. like, we shot messages back and forth on instagram and i told my wife i was like all right i'm gonna go meet this guy <laughs> in detroit at a boat ramp at like nine o'clock at night <laughs> Have you ever met him before? I was like, no, no, but we shot some messages back and forth on Instagram. And so she was like, well, what's going to happen if you get there? And it's, it's like, and I was like, don't worry about it. I mean, if it happens, it happens. We'll find out. Yeah. And so like, I show up, got paid for my parking. They had the boat filled up with gas. They had the bows ready to go. They took us, took me out of the Detroit river. We bow fished all night. Uh, super cool dude. Sam That's and Tyler. Awesome. Yeah, and then they invited me back up for that. They picked me up at the airport. They took me to their duck camp. Like, took care of me all weekend. They're just, they're just solid guys, man. Man, solid. Yeah, that sounds like a cool crew to be in with. Um, oh yeah. The whole river fishing thing—that's always intrigued me. I mean, we've hunted rivers here, uh, not with a lot of success, but like when we float the rivers every year, we float, we canoe and kayak all the time here. There's so many cool rivers to go on. Um, and we see birds, like we'll see wood ducks. We'll kick up a wood duck. It'll fly out in front of us and then we'll kick it up again 20 minutes later on the river. And it just does that, you know, for five hours or we'll, we'll find nesting geese on the banks. Um, but I've watched videos recently on YouTube of dudes out in kayaks and they're just cruising rivers with their shotguns and they're doing the same thing. They're jump shooting these geese as they're floating in their kayaks. And I'm like, that would be a cool experience. Of course, you dump a kayak right now. Oh, man, that's going to be a bad day. Um, oh, I came close to it before. <laughs> I tracked that style here. And it was, I had, uh, I, I took like my wife's little 10-foot sit-in kayak. And I was just like cruising on down a little creek area. There's some birds jumped up. And I like throw the gun up side. Boom! <laughs> Three and a half inch shell. The whole kayak just, <laughs> Fortunately, I was like right next to the bank. So whenever it pushed me over, I just like slapped into the bank and popped back up. But, oh, man. 
Yeah, don't don't shoot sideways. Yeah, you gotta you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be shooting the direction the kayak is facing. That's a good yeah, that's, that's a good right. tip. Yeah. So, but that was I don't know. I had fun with it. I don't do it all the time now, but at the time it was like it is just way to go kill some birds. You know, put a little yeah. bit of meat in the freezer. Yeah. So. What uh? What did your time in Colorado look like? I know you mentioned uh, doing mule hunts on muleback. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I was young when we lived out there. We moved there in uh, like '97. We left in '04, um, so you're looking at like seven to fourteen. Um, but by the time I was eight, I was riding one and leading one, uh, riding one and packing a mule in, riding a mule, packing a mule in. Um, cause my dad's deal was we would go, uh, like camp out for the week during muzzleloader season. Like he had the oh, same nice. public he put in for every year. We'd drive up as far as we could go. And then we'd pack another eight or 10 miles in. And, uh, I think we only saw like two people there the whole time we were, we were there, you know, so, was, and I was young. Um, so Colorado, you can't have your license till you're 12. Um, but I just take a fishing pole. And I'd go hit like the beaver ponds that were up there in the mountain. I go catch trout while they were out elk hunting. And uh, I ended up killing elk before we left. My dad shot a uh, five by five that he's got on the fireplace now with his muzzle loader. Nice. Um, that was a cool memory, you know. Like yeah. it was, it was. Uh, it makes you want to go back, you know. But it's never the same as what your childhood was. So. Yeah. It's, I'm kind of afraid of the disappointment of what it would be compared <laughs> to what I remember it as, but, uh, but it was cool, man. We had a big cabin tent and we just go up there and hang out. So that's awesome. Fun. It's never the same as like what you remember it to be as a, as a kid, you know? So I'm kind of scared to go back up there and try to see like, if I wanted to go hunt elk again, I kind of want to go back to where I grew up doing it. Yeah. But I know if I go up to where I grew up doing it, like it's going to taint the memory because it's not going to be nearly as cool as what I remember it to be. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it's one of those kid things. So I don't know. One of these days I'd like to go chase milk with a bow. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called bull elk beard oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. Yeah, the the bow hunting elk deal, I mean, it seems like it would be so awesome. It would either be really awesome or it would be like that type two fun where you have to look back on it two years later and be like, oh, yeah, yeah it was a good time. We were miserable the whole week. We didn't see any elk, but 
looking back, we had fun. Um, elk are, elk are a tough animal, man. I mean, it's just weird how an animal that size traveling in that big of a group can disappear in what seems to be open country. And it's demoralizing. Like this year was a tough hunt for us, but luckily I've, I've had success in the past doing it. And so I'm like, all right, you know, we'll get back out there and figure it out again. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure from a new hunter or like you hunting as a kid, it's, it's probably a little bit intimidating trying to go out there and do it now. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to make the time really. I mean, it's like, with everything else going on, a wife, three kids, I got a fourth one coming in April. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, like, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, just like every freaking year, man, it gets tougher to make more time to go do stuff. And especially something like that. If I was going to go hunt elk, I want like 10 days to go hunt elk. Yeah. You know, like I want time to put into it. Well, if I put 10 days into it, I'm pretty much taking out two thirds of the time of year I'm going to take off for hunting. Yeah. Oh, like the amount of days I, t- I spend on, or I plan on spending in the field. So I don't know one of these days, but it might be one of these days for quite a while. Yeah. Are, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, would that be like your number one bucket list hunt or what would your top, top of the list be? Grizzly with a bow. Nice. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I love bow hunting and the idea of going through something that could absolutely take you to the ground just seems great. I don't know why, but that's yeah. just, that would be my bucket list hunt. So where, maybe one of the, where would you want to do it? Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. I got an uncle that lives up there that's invited me to come up and not for that specifically, but, uh, like he's told me time and time again, you need to come up, you need to come up, you need to come up. And I'm like, I'd love to. I just don't have the time. Yep. <laughs> it's always time or money. And uh, there never seems to be enough of either of those things. No, no, for sure not. But I don't know. One of these days, if not, I'm pretty content shooting geese. So yeah. Like that. <sighs> yeah. What all, what all do you hunt for now in Oklahoma? Uh, you had mentioned, I think before we started recording that you've got, um, a, a nice little chunk of land there now. Um, do you yeah. do a lot of hunting right there where you live? Yeah, we, we deer hunt like primarily on the place. I don't really travel anywhere for it. Uh, I bow hunt only at this point. I haven't like shot crazy big deer. Um, I spend most of my time deer watching, but, uh, it's, I don't know. It's relaxing. I enjoy it. I like shooting a bow. And then uh, past that, it's waterfowl, man. Like yeah. everything's just passing the time to get to waterfowl season. So, is is uh, there wow. a is there a bucket list waterfowl hunt that you'd want to go on? Like a certain species that you want to chase after? An emperor goose would be pretty freaking cool which puts me back in Alaska again. So apparently I just need to go to Alaska. (laughs) Forget North Dakota, man. Alaska is where you want to be. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently Alaska is where I need to go for that. But no, I don't know. I really like, there's a lot of guys want to go to Canada to hunt waterfowl. I want to go down to Argentina or whatever, or Mexico, wherever it is. And to me, I'm just like, 
there's so many places in the U.S. that you can go hunt waterfowl that is just completely different from anything you've ever hunted before. Yeah. That I could spend the next 20 years making four to five trips a season before I ever thought, okay, I need to go out of country now. Or, okay, I need to go to Alaska now. Like, yeah. I just, I don't understand everybody's, I understand the drive to travel to hunt. Like I get it. I'm, I'm sucked into that crew, but as far as like trying to get across a border or trying to go somewhere crazy far away, I could go down to Texas and hunt something I've never hunted before. Yeah. You know, like I, I can shoot up into Missouri and hunt an area I've never hunted before. I can go over and hunt flooded timber in Arkansas and hunt something I've never hunted before. Like, so how many years does that actually take to play out? I think people try to make their goals so lofty a lot of time as far as what they want to travel to go do it's like just venture into the state next to you and see what happens yeah you know like just start there so i don't know i'm not a very good bucket list hunter because i'm so just ate up with all the things that seem a lot more realistic to me you know like yeah. the emperor goose most likely is never gonna happen me going and shooting mallards in idaho that might happen yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good point i feel like there's there's like an allure or there's an illusion that the farther you travel, the cooler the hunt's going to be. And I just yeah. don't, I I'm with you on that. I don't think that's the case. I grew up wanting to, you know, go to New Zealand and hunt red stag and go to Africa and do the safari and all of that stuff. And then I realized after moving out to Colorado, I think is really when it hit me that there are so many things here. Like there's people who spend their entire lives chasing every type of Turkey in the u.s and i mean it takes up a mm -hmm. lot of time there's people who do the same thing they want to do like yeah. the the waterfowl grand slam in the lower 48 and there's people who spend their whole lives trying for that and never attain it and so i'm like okay i like hunting everything and i could fill probably 20 lifetimes up with just hunting things in the u.s now i think the traveling side of it for me is more the scenery than like the actual animals when i went up to alaska holy cow i'm telling you you really do need to get up there and just the vastness of it it's like what you you were talking about with north dakota except everywhere you look it's something different i mean like you have those giant rivers that seem like they're two miles wide you've got mountains you've got rolling hills you've got huge marshlands and then you've got the ocean um, like where we were at Kodiak Island, dude, there's like porpoises and killer whales and seals and otters. And Alaska had everything that I could ever hope for. I feel like the only thing they don't have there is white-tailed deer. But I mean, you can hunt elk, moose, caribou, uh, black-tailed deer. What's that? I said, I'd give up white-tail for that list. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm like, and we were just on Kodiak. Like, they don't even have everything on Kodiak that mainland does. You go up to mainland Alaska, and then you get, I mean, Kodiak doesn't have wolves or moose. They've got, I think, what was once a captive reindeer herd. It technically wasn't even caribou. Um, but, yeah, once you cross over and get, to, and get to mainland Alaska, then that just multiplies by 100, it seems like. Yeah. And it seems like everybody out there is just like the most badass person on the planet. I, I talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a, 
I, I'm on a crab boat most of the year, and I'm like, oh, cool. And then they're like, yeah, and then every now and then when we get back, I'll just go on a grizzly hunt or go try to fill my freezer with a moose. And I'm like, oh, that's just that's what just you, you do, do in your off time. Like, oh, <laughs> hey, boss, I'm going to take a three-day weekend and go hunt grizzlies. I'm like, dude, yeah. what in the world? My, my three-day weekend is like, Hey man, you want to go fish the farm pond and maybe catch a couple bass? I, I heard the sand bass are running. You know, it's into March now. Time to go chase them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, the amount of opportunities is insane. Oh, it is. That's what my uncle actually had a veterinarian practice in Florida, and this was like late '90s when he did all this. But he took a vacation to Alaska. Fell in love with it while he was on vacation. Sold his veterinary practice. Moved his whole family to Alaska, like Anchorage area. Started a veterinary practice there. Ended up selling it. I mean, he's he's done everything. He shot muskox. He's gone all over Alaska doing a little bit of everything. And, like, one of his sons discovered a new species of spiders up there. Um, another one, like, he lives off the grid, you know, yeah. like. And then uh, another one ended up moving, like, down to Montana as a four by four, uh, like tour business now, like they trick out four by fours and they'll take people on cross country, four by four trails. And like, they just, there's something about Alaska apparently that if you want to live there, you're willing to do a lot of cool stuff, yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. apparently I don't qualify. <laughs> I live in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always, I always tell my wife, and I, I think the first time I told her this, she's like, you shouldn't sound so excited about that. I was like, babe, if anything ever happened to you and the kids, like I'd be, I'd be in Alaska. Nobody would ever see me again. And she's like, why did you smile the whole time you said that? Like <laughs> you were looking forward to it. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the case at all. But I want to, I want to run a trap line on a dog sled team. Like that to me is just like Alaska at its core, watching people up there trapping links and and wolves and wolverines and martins and fishers and i mean i can't imagine life being any crazier than that like you go out and you shoot a moose and now you're taking some of the hide from that moose to use it to trap a wolf what yeah. the heck man yeah. well i mean you could like try to imitate that you could do like a border collie with a walmart sled in missouri <laughs> And just like run the creek, and then you could take like a raccoon and try to trap a coyote. Yeah. I mean, you could get close. Wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> man, I I wonder. I'm sure there's people that do that. They ride around. You know, there's there's actually a lot of trapping that goes on here in Missouri, and I want to get into it. I keep talking about it on every episode of the podcast. I think I just need to get out and do it, but. Yeah, I think everything in Missouri seems a lot more lame than everything you could trap in Alaska. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're going to trap a raccoon here. Okay, well, you could trap a wolverine there, which could, like, tree a, tree a black bear. And yeah. not to take away from it, I think there's a lot of cool opportunities here in Missouri, and I live here for a reason. I mean, I've got access yeah. to all sorts of hunting and outdoor activities, but... Man, Alaska will always be in the back of my mind. Like, I got to, oh, yeah. I, I want to spend one winter there, like a full winter trapping. That would be, I I think I'd probably get my fix. I'd probably be so miserable and have such poor success with it 
that I'd be like, all right, I never want to try that again. Um, <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, man, it doesn't matter where you live. You got a vacation somewhere. Oh, yeah. That that's my theory is I'm like, I could, you know, if you lived in Alaska, if I lived in Alaska, I would fly to Oklahoma every year for two weeks to hunt waterfowl. Yeah. You know, like or if I lived in Florida because I wanted to go offshore fishing all the time, or like, I just wanted to fish all the time. I would fly to Oklahoma to go hunt waterfowl or vice versa. You know, it's just, it doesn't matter where you're at. There's always something going on in another state somewhere. So, oh yeah. Like yeah. even when I moved out to Colorado, I would come back here for frog gigging. And people are like, wait, what are you doing? I'm like, no, we're, we're going frog gigging. And they're like, is this like some like snipe hunting? Like you're going to go out and like call a snipe in in the dark. I'm like, no, we actually take spears and stab frogs with them and then eat the legs. And they're like, dude, that is some messed up, like Midwest stuff right there. Like you guys are back country, aren't you? I'm like, that's not Midwest stuff. That's like Southwest Missouri. Yeah. Stuff. That's like that. Southwest Missouri. So <laughs> I know people, well, they had me fooled the first time I, I legitimately thought that someone was pulling a prank on me the first time I frog gigged and they were like, all right, man, now we cut the legs off, skin them and eat them. He's like, you grab, you grab a pair of pliers and you pull the pants off of them. And I was like, okay. And I did it. And then we're like cooking it over a fire and he's like, dig in, man. And I'm thinking he's going to wait for me to take a bite and start laughing at me. And as I'm looking at these frog legs in my hand, I look over and he's already like done with a set of them. And I'm like, oh, this is for real. Like we're actually doing this. This isn't like, dude, I got down to eat frog legs. Uh, but it's something that I look forward to. And <laughs> I would have never thought that I would travel every year to catch frogs. But it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, man. Everybody has their own unique deal where they're at. You know, that's really what it is. I mean, it's just and I think that's where the allure of travel comes from. Is you know whether people are doing cool stuff, you know, like yeah. that's I think that's where people flock like social media, you know, that's why you end up on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or wherever you're going, and you're just looking at pictures of other that other people are doing. And if it's foreign to you, then I mean it's gonna seem attractive, you know, like it's it just it opens up a whole new doorway, it opens up your imagination, and we get to experience it if it's something you click with, like you don't ever want to stop. Yeah, you know. I've met very few people that enjoy something they're doing. They want to quit. Yeah. But uh, no, that's awesome, man. I have not frog gigged though. I will say for as much family as I have up in that area. Hey, I've, come on I've, over, I've, man. <laughs> Sunset on the last day of June every year is when it opens up and we will be out there without fail. A bunch of us. I'm not, listen, I'm not the guy that goes barefoot in these like nasty cattle ponds. I've got plenty okay. of guys that I go with and they do. And I'm like, dude, if you have an open wound, like you're going to lose your leg. This water is so gross. You're walking around nipple deep. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it just reeks and you're just chasing after a bullfrog, but it is so, so much fun. I'm the guy with waders that, that like stays pretty awesome. close to the bank. But yeah. the last couple of years, it's been so hot that I, I mean, I still do sandals. And so I'm like, you know, in shorts, and sandals walking through the water but yeah there's something about it man you hear like over here over here or you just hear it across the pond like and all of a sudden you just see like 10 headlights all hone in on this spot and everyone books it over there to try to get the frog first 
yeah, you're welcome to come anytime, man. Uh, yeah, it's it, our it it's our summer fun. event. Yeah, that's what, I got a buddy who's obsessed. Anytime we go like go fishing in the summer, if there's a bullfrog hanging out, like he'll always drop a fly in front of a bullfrog because they'll eat anything. Yeah, you know, like and he just. I, I don't know what it is. It's been like that since high school, but he just, he likes picking them out of a pond. <laughs> yep. See, we're not like the crazy bullfrog. Pe- I mean, everybody who bullfrog hunts is a crazy bullfrog person, but I, watching, I, I don't know if it was duck dynasty. It was some TV show, probably like five to 10 years ago. And these guys are in like Louisiana or Florida or somewhere. And it's alligator infested water, right? There's, it seems like once you get down in the south, there's just things that want to kill you around every turn. And these guys will just walk along the bank, and they don't, like, gig them. They don't net them. They don't try to get them with a pole or shoot them with a twenty-two, which are all totally legal methods of take. They will straight up dive off of the bank, hands in front of them, and grab them on the way into the water. And I'm like, that's a special kind of redneck right there. That is. That is. But, I mean, what would you do without them? like you gotta have them (laughs) yeah i guess you gotta have them because otherwise i am now the new like craziest type of redneck yeah so yeah i'm definitely like middle of the road redneck i still enjoy the finer things in life yeah i mean if you don't see an extremist around you that means you are the extremist (laughs) absolutely (laughs) yes yeah i uh I just like every out. I haven't found an outdoor activity that I don't care. Well, I say that I wouldn't consider this one an outdoor activity. I high fence hunted in, in Texas and nothing Uh against high fence hunting. It just wasn't my cup of tea, like feeders on a timer where you hit a button. If you miss the deer and they all come back, it was cool. It was cool to experience that. Uh, I had so much more fun jackrabbit hunting at night than I did deer hunting down in Texas. Other than that, I think just about every outdoor activity that I've tried, I would gladly do again. Yeah. Even the, I mean like the tough ones, man, there were a couple tough ones like the mountain goat hunt. Holy cow. There were multiple times where I'm like, why do I, why do I enjoy this? This is not fun right now. And then a day later I look back, I'm like, dude, that was insane. I want to do it again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's did I lose you? Or are nope. you still there? No. Okay. Sorry, man. Yeah, no, that would be I mean, I mountain goat hunt would be awesome. And that's what I really do think it's uh it's I, you call it the second degree fun earlier, yeah. you know, and that is to me that's the best fun. Like I was out I had to get up for work at 1 30 in the morning last week and Instead, I got up at one in the morning because I had to go put gas in a generator to keep an ice eater running to keep a pond open. Nice, you know. Or, or back in the day of whenever all we did was hunt public, and we're getting up at two o'clock in the morning so we can walk two and a half miles into a spot just so we can be upset about somebody sitting up, setting up next to us, <laughs> or you know, I mean, whatever it is. Like it's just it. If there's a little bit of suffering with it, that is the fun stuff. Yeah. And that's. But as far as outdoor industry goes, like. I don't know of anything I have done that I just wouldn't go do again. I'd be, I haven't done high fence though. And I think I'm, I'm out on that one. I think I'll stay out of it, but past that, I don't know. I can't think of anything. Yeah. I, I, I will say I enjoyed my whole time down in Texas. It was my buddy's grandpa's ranch. 
and it's i mean it's like 4500 acres i think and i say uh-huh. it's high fence i mean two of the sides have neighbors that high fence technically his grandpa uh-huh. doesn't put high fence up at all i mean they can get out but two yeah. of the two yeah. of the sides and i mean they're being fed so they just don't have any reason to leave anyways um yeah. but it was just very weird and interesting to see in Texas like you can basically go on an african safari in Texas like they sell and trade exotic animals down there so like you could go shoot an uh um gosh a red stag down in Texas you can buy buffalo and let them out you can they have exotic animal auctions and they can fully recreate an african safari in Texas to where if you were dropped off you would never know it and they really do most of these ranches are 5 to you know 50,000 acres and so it's not like you're chasing after a pendant animal on 20 acres so i don't want it to sound like uh high fence hunting is bad it's just baiting deer in i feel like you're shooting pets at that point i mean if they're so used to it that you pull the trigger and they run and then they come right back that's a different that's a different ball game for me i like the I like the anticipation of not knowing like what's coming through the woods. Like at any point, something could come through the woods that you've never seen before. And that, I think that's the exciting part of hunting for me. Yeah. Well, and that's what, I mean, I shouldn't sound too judgy on it. I mean, I'm sure if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't turn it down. I just, I'm kind of in that boat as far as like, I want to know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't want to know what's going to happen. You know, like I don't want to go out there and know, I'm going to go ahead and fill a tag or even waterfowl hunting. You know, I don't want to go out there and just know exactly every step what's going to happen that day. Otherwise you can just stay in bed. You already found out what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, like, uh, but no, I do think that as far as like the African safari in Texas, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. I mean, the stuff you can do there. And if he's got too, if it was like, <sighs> this sounds weird. I'm not trying to have a double standard here, but if you have like a 5,000 acre high fence ranch, that's very different than having a 60 acre high fence ranch. Yeah. Like we've got one that was down the road. It's a weed farm now, but it <laughs> was a high fence ranch. And it was like, I think the whole place was 80 acres and 40 of it they had for raising the deer and 40 of it they had for their hunts. And I was like, who on earth is paying to go hunt 40 acres that like they're releasing the deer into? You yeah. know, like I just, that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it's matter. interesting. I mean, I I try to tell everyone like try it. Like try try it once. I mean, unless you're a hundred percent against it. Um it in again, it wasn't even like the high fence issue because they could get out. Yeah. It was I, I think it was just the like these deer don't care about people. They're not afraid of us at all. And so it we, we had one deer, we were jackrabbit hunting at night and we were driving on the side by side and I shone my headlamp over to the right and there is this eight point buck and it is running right next to us on the side by side <laughs> through the field. And I'm like, what the heck? And then we stop and it stops. And I was like, oh, these are for real pet deer. And he's like, yeah, there's a, there's a, a group of deer that my grandpa hand feeds. And I'm like, okay. So this is like that. I think that played a huge part in me just going, man, I just don't know if this is for me, but then you do have jackrabbits. I mean, they can travel just as far as a deer can. You've got raccoons and coyotes 
and they're all living on the property as well. So it's not like they're penned in, but I had a blast shooting them. So, uh, I don't know if it was just cause it was different, different than anything I'd been used to for deer hunting or what, but, um, yeah, Texas is crazy, man. It's, it's cool. The landscape's cool. And I only got to see one part of it. I heard Texas, like no matter where you go, you're going to find something different. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, there's such a huge state. They yeah. have so much you know, like topography and I mean, it is, it's pretty wild and I don't, I don't know. I try not to be too judgy on anything hunting just because it's like, it doesn't really matter what you do. Somebody can look at it and wish they had it or somebody can look down on it. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's all about where you're at on it. So, well, I would um, totally own a high fence property just so that I could collect amazing antlers. Like, yeah, I saw, I saw some deer on the neighbor's property and they had a much smaller chunk of land, but they had like, six and eight pointers that were pushing 160 180 and Mm -hmm. i'm like dude can you imagine even even the deer farms like going to there was one in wisconsin and i'm trying to think where we'd always go we'd go on a family trip somewhere and on the way there there was this deer farm right off the highway and so you could go and you could look at these deer in like four acres right they're all just like walking around and there's bucks with 30 points on them and i was like man that would be cool just to have deer to collect antlers off of. Yeah. Like I I would be all about that. There's something about holding an antler in my hand. I don't know what it is. It's an addiction. Um but that side of it or a moose, like imagine having a moose antler farm. No, I can't imagine. I walked and walked and walked this spring and I never found a single freaking shed. I suck at shed hunting, so I don't know. I I would have to have a high fence farm to get any decent sheds. That would be the only way I'd find any. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm terrible at shed hunting. I'm in the same boat. I'm like, it's not for me. My eyes don't work the way yours do, or I just don't like looking at the ground all the time when I walk. I don't know what it is. Um, Uh, that's why they make shed dogs for people like me and you. I guess so. And I keep thinking like, that's the next project I'm going to do with my dog is I'm going to teach him how to shed hunt because like he already knows how to use his nose. It's just giving him one more thing to look for when he's out running around. And I just, I don't know. I completely whiffed on actually making sure I was doing that this summer. We were too busy running drills to make sure I didn't have to walk more than I needed to. Yeah. Um, during duck season. So (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, man, I don't know. That might be the only way I could find a shed is to use the dog. Yeah. I I feel like I'm a defeated shed hunter. Like even now there's people in Missouri that are finding sheds right now. And I see pictures of them every day on Facebook or on uh Instagram. And I've been out gosh four days this week, but not shed hunting. I go out coyote hunting and I'm like, man, I could walk this little 10 acre patch of woods right now. And I just don't even do it because I am so demoralized and like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'll never find one. It's just not, I, I better not even waste my time. So I don't know. I think, I think it'll change if I find one, but I'm not keeping my fingers crossed for it. If it happens, it happens. If not, I'm not putting in all that extra time. So, well, man, uh, we are coming up on an hour here and, um, I know I need to, I need to go shower right before we hopped on the call. I had just got done playing basketball. And so this little closet that I'm recording in probably smells so bad. 
I play old man basketball uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays, and I'm the youngest guy there by about 40 years, but those guys still work me over every time. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, man, it was was awesome chatting, and I definitely need to get you out here to come frog gigging. Um, You got to experience that. I mean, you're from Oklahoma. I feel like people kind of lump Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas all in together like we're the Midwest Southern redneck combination. I think so. I, I would, I couldn't argue with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hey, I want to give you a chance though, before we hop off, where can people find you? Uh, if they want to follow along, if they want to see your photography, if they want to hire you to come and take pictures, how can they go about doing that? Yeah. Uh, Clancy underscore Bowser, uh, on Instagram, or you can look at Mallard media on Instagram. Um, if it's something that you're needing done work-wise and I can't make it, uh, Dwayne, who's the other half of Mallard Media, he's full-time. So uh, it doesn't really matter when or where. He can always always find time to get out there. So that would be where to find us at, man. Nice, uh, dude. Well, uh, do you do you still have more time in uh, your waterfowl season over there? We have more time. I don't know if we have more ducks, but we've got more time. So we're we're fighting right now but uh yeah we've got till january 31st on ducks and then we've got till february 13th on geese so we'll be i've got a few more weeks of no sleep and uh (laughs) wife and then i'll be back to life as normal yeah that's awesome man (laughs) well good luck hopefully you guys do get some more pushes of birds there and uh hopefully you can connect on a couple good hunts yeah man absolutely but i appreciate it dan yep thanks a lot And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I had so much fun talking with Clancy. And man, does that dude bring some energy to a podcast. It was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed chatting with people that live only a few hours away from here because hopefully that means we can get a get-together going soon. Like, I want to do... I can't call it the total archery challenge, obviously, but maybe it'll be like the ultimate archery challenge or something like that. Get some partners, some big 3D targets, get those set up all around the property and have just a fun shoot going on. I think that would be so fun. We could do a big game feast, not like an exclusively big game, but like a large feast of different game animals, big or small. I don't know. I'll have to figure out how to market that better, but keep an eye out for it because I really want to make that happen and a couple other things to keep an eye out for the second podcast is going to be launching soon it is the western rookie podcast and it is all about getting people from the east from the midwest the information and the education that they need to get out and be successful in the west chasing after big game animals out there I want people to experience what I was able to And I never thought it was possible growing up hunting up in Wisconsin. So I really, really think it's going to be an awesome podcast, a lot of good information, and we have an all-star lineup of of guests. So um, that's going to be launching soon, and so is more merchandise. Like We are going to be dropping some more merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies. I'm actually sitting here wearing one of actually the first ever nomadic outdoorsman hoodie so keep an eye out lots of cool changes lots of big news and cool updates anyways until next time always choose adventure and god bless